Hello and welcome to a new episode of BIM Voice. Today we have the pleasure to talk with Julien Benoit, who is the Head of Customer Success at Catenda. Hello, Julien. Welcome to my podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Welcome and uh, thank you for having me this morning. It's very nice to have you here. Uh, I'm really looking forward to learn more about uh, Catenda's uh, products. They are doing a very interesting work there. And uh, yeah, I would really love to learn more about your products. Yes. Can you start uh, by presenting yourself first? A little yes, bit? definitely. So I'm uh, French and or I live uh, between France and Norway nowadays. And um, as a background, I spent uh, around 15 years of my career working for uh, main contractors and construction companies in France on a small and large project as a project manager and uh, also construction engineer. And I educated myself around BIM thanks to softwares like uh, Revit. And for two years now, I joined the Catenda team to be the voice of the customer in a way. And then naturally I, I ended up being the in charge of customer success for Catenda. That sounds very, very interesting. So you worked uh, in the industry before as a project manager, you said? Yes, yes. That most of my career has been in uh, on-site and uh, in the construction industry. Yes. That's very, very solid background right there. Cool. Can you please uh, share your screen and uh, yeah, Definitely. start showing us around? Let me share my screen with you. So I will use as a basic introduction, I would say I will just use the, the website we have. It's uh, I think it's the best presentation and I don't want it to be too long because I want to jump right in the live part. So on catenda.com, you will find several information as a, uh, as what we do. And I, I need to explain that we have two main products and everything for us, the key is that we need to be easy to use and based on open standards. Everything we do is around open standards. We use IFC files, BCF format, connect to the BSDD and etc. So we have two products and I think people are not always aware of that. The main product, and that's what I will show you today and explain what it does is BIMSync Arena. It's the tool that you use in your web browser and it's an online platform meant to be your common data environment, if you wish. And in the background of this tool, there's an offer called BIMSync Boost, which is the access to our APIs. And we have a strong and solid and well-documented API that several uh, persons providing solution online are using. And that's not always uh, well-documented for, for the public, I would say. And of course, we also have for BIMSync Arena, we need to be communicating with others. So we have integrations. And I will just show you briefly and explain a bit, but, but not really the purpose here. What integration do we have and uh, what they do? And mostly it's either communicating with softwares on the market, such as Revit, uh, Archicad, and uh, uh, Navisworks, and, and uh, authoring so softwares, I would say. And also some external collaborations with people like Vrex, Dimension 10, and, and some more that communicates with our system to share issues and comments in a way. That's the two way we have uh, integrations. And of course the API with the lot of documentation and 
just a quick word about that, and I won't go back to the API afterwards. It's just to explain that the API is divided into three or four areas. The core API, which is the REST API, the 3D viewer, the BCF API, that is the international standard BCF API, and the 2D API. And that helps you building some, some solutions on top of our product. But now I can show you um, directly the product and, and you will see what it does. So here you are. I just need to arrange maybe the little windows so it's not in the way. Here we go. So you have the user interface of BeamSync Arena, BeamSync as people know it. You log in thanks to uh, an account with a password and an email address. And if you wish, you can have two-factor authentication as a way to, to, um, to connect to the platform. On this view, you find the project list. So usually it's uh, displayed as a list like this. And once you've made it as a favorite, you will see this, uh, these tiles popping up in your view. So it's an easy access to your project. And uh, it's, it's just because my account is a specific one, but most of the people don't have that much project. And of course, you have the notification settings, your account settings, where you can switch to several languages for the platform. And organization is also a way to manage your projects. Uh, this tool is online in your browser. You don't have any client to install on your machine. And it's available on, I would say, most of the uh, web browser. The only one, but even, even Microsoft is not advising to use it is the Internet Explorer, the old school one. We don't really support it because it's mostly Internet Explorer doesn't support the technology we use. But all the other uh, browser are, are just fine to be used. Do you also have an application, a mobile application, or it's only for the browser? No, no, we do have uh, recently, last year, we introduced a mobile app because there's a need for a uh, specific use on site for issues, comments, and videos and, and photos. So we have two uh, apps, one for iOS, one for Android. And there's a lot of efforts put on, on these apps this year and last year to improve the performances, the, the way we use it. So you can also check it out. And once you have an account in BIMSync, you can download these apps for free. Awesome. So let me open one project and you will uh, i will show you the main uh, the main areas of the product so you just click on the tile and it will pop up in your screen it's live it's uh, real time so nothing is prepared i'm just uh, jumping right in the main page you land on is called a dashboard and it's here to remind you what's happening in your project basically so you have an access to the recent issues the recent notification, you can see the list and a brief uh, preview of the list of members, and you have an easy access to your models. So the product is set as such. If I do the 360 around, around the, the screen, you have on the left-hand side, the main areas, I would say, of the product. Then you have the main screen and the canvas, and then you have some button on the top right where you can set and adjust how the viewer and how the interface is displayed in your browser. Because as it's not a client in, in your desktop app on, on your machine, we need to have a, a way to display several information at the same time. So you will need to use these four buttons here. And next to that, you have a notification center, 
a share link button. I will come back to that later on in your account. Yeah. Before you go further, let me ask you something because I think it's important to highlight this before we dive more in. What is actually this software doing? What is trying to achieve? What is its purpose? So the purpose of BIMSync is to be your common data environment. It's a place where you invite people for your project, all of them, and you share information. And the information and the data can be of different sorts. You have your models and you can display them, assemble them and make them uh, federated in your viewer. You can put your documents and everything that is 2D based, like document based. So you can also collaborate around your documents. And the last part of this triangle will be the communication and the collaboration. And that's the area that we call issues. So we intend to be the place where people share data and information around a project. Okay, so it doesn't matter what kind of information, but uh, it's not just a issue management software. That's a distinction right there, right? Yes, definitely, definitely. So that's the three main areas that for us is making this tool a CDE. So of course we can discuss uh, for a long time about what's a CDE as a whole, but we assemble the data that is necessary for a project to be completed in a way. Yeah, so taking this a little bit further, do you have any cases, any projects that are using only BIMSync as a, their main uh, platform without using, for example, uh, Autodesk 360 or something else? Everything except authoring tools, of course, because you, BIMSync is not an authoring tool, right? Yes, we sure, we sure do have, have this project. And most of the clients we have are using BIMSync as their, their main solution. They all have authoring tools. They have Tecla, Archicad, Revit, and, and etc. So any authoring tool that is able to publish a model or part of a model as an IFC file can be published to BIMSync. That's why we intend to be a CDE for our customers. Yes, most of our clients, I know there are some big projects where uh, some external collaboration has other tools, and that's fine with, uh, with us. That's, that's nothing wrong with that. That's also why we are using open standards because we know sometimes issues will come from another environment. So that's why it's, it's very important for us to, to be only using open standards. But uh, most of our clients, if not all of them, are using uh, BIMSync as their CD. Yes, definitely. Awesome, thank you. So let's start with the, the model area. So this is the place you publish your model in the IFC format, it, and it's a choice. We only support IFC formats, 2x3, 4, and, and we will improve along the way as the, the new standards are available. And it's because we want to be able to take the data, even data that is a bit uh, old and comes from like 10 years ago. And we also want to be able to export the data our customers put inside the platform as an IFC as well. So only IFCs, but there's a reason for that. It's for the, the, the security of the data and also the, ah, I'm missing the term, but a long-term use of, of this data. So you can divide uh, your project with several models. And a model in, in BIMSync is a container for uh, file revisions. So as you can see now, there's uh, 10 revisions for this model. It's the architecture file. And every... Previous revision can be 
displayed, downloaded, and you can check uh, in the viewer what it was in many ways. So when you click on the model view here and the 3D button, you will display the latest version available for this, uh, for this uh, model. So if I select the four here and I click on 3D, now the browser will update and you will have the 3D view uh, coming up in your, in your browser. So now you have this, uh, this viewer available in your browser. You see now that you have these two tiles available and you can hide the left-hand side. So you have only the, the viewer in here. And then you can navigate and uh, use the viewer as you would on the desktop app, I would say. So there are some settings and uh, presets for views. And of course, you have the, the basics as uh, selecting an object, hiding it, hiding the others, making translucent, that kind of stuff. It's uh, basic tools for, uh, for a viewer, but it's all in your browser. So any machine, even low-key uh, machine can, can use uh, BIMSync and display the models. It's, it's very seldom that you need a powerful machine to make it work. We also have, of course, uh, clipping planes capabilities. So you just add a clipping plane and you can just chat right now, you can just look inside your model and display information about what you see and what you have. So as you can see, I can select objects or one or several and can remove uh, and move again the, the, the section view. And if I click on the, yeah, I can multi-select objects also with the, with, the, with the key on, the, on my, on my uh, keyboard. So when I select an object, you don't see any, you just see a small uh, window popping up here, which is the, the shortcut. And you need to use this little button here to get the inspect panel that will give you access to more information about your object. So if I right-click and say isolate, it will be displayed like this, so I can more focus on this one. And I will see all the information that is available inside the IFC file. So depending on how, many, how much care you put into publishing your IFC, you will find several uh, p-sets and uh, properties available in here. And of course, we also had some connection with our other areas that I will cover just, like, just after. An object can be connected to an issue, and you can also link uh, documents and libraries to an object. And that's the case here. So you see that this object has uh, 10 documents attached to it. So when I click on documents here, you will have, it's exactly like here. And if I open the left panel, you see that the documents that are attached to this object are displayed here. So you can make the connection between model and documents and also model and issues. And that's, that's the trinity we use daily in BIMSync, connecting collaboration, models, documentation. I understand. So there are several things you can do in the viewer. You can add several clipping planes, so you can make uh, more uh, fancy uh, 3D views in a way. And you can select the section planes afterwards. If you're not happy with it, you can delete it and etc. So you can manipulate quite easily your, your 3D view. And we, we know that um, 
some people, uh, very often people are not always comfortable with the manipulating a 3D view. So we have an extra tool for them with a tiny button 2D here. And it's also available uh, in this uh, revision selector. You see there's a 2D button and it, it's meant to be display to be displaying a 2D viewer for this model. So as you can see now, I have this uh, little viewer coming up. And if I zoom out a bit so I can clear the viewer, here we go, and make it bigger. I have access to the levels of my project and I can zoom in and navigate as a map in a way. So I can jump right in by double clicking in this, in this, in this view, the 2D view. I can move around and you see in the back, the 3D view updates accordingly. So I can, it's an easy way to navigate your model in a way. So you can put yourself in a position in the model because you know that from the map, you can be here. And when you switch off the 2D view, then you're here in the view and then you're in the model. And then you can select objects, make comments, make an issue about something, etc. And if you don't know exactly uh, because navigating in a 3D will be a bit slow and not really efficient. You can just pop up again the 2D and say, okay, now I need to review this area. And you double click and you jump right there. So then you can navigate and here you go. So this 2D view is really uh, an attempt to, to help the users and, and to, to be more comfortable exploring the, their models. Because again, we know that the, our goal is also to help people uh, moving from a fully document 2D world to a more model-based uh, collaboration. You know. So you see those little dots, they are uh, markers for issues. So I will come back to that afterwards. If I, I will just finish with the, um, the viewer. So what did I miss? You have some tools to help around uh, navigation. You have this little joystick here you can add to be uh, having more smooth uh, manipulation of the model. You can also make section plans on top and bottom, which is very handy to display one level, I would say. So you can do that very easily. And then you can zoom in and explore a bit more what you're doing. And if you don't know exactly where you are, you can always pop up the 2D view to identify the, the position where you are in the, in the project. Once you have uh, selected an object, you can, sorry, I will just remove all the section views. Here we go. So when you select an object, you see here some shortcuts about what's attached to it. It's uh, what documents and, and libraries. You can find also a uh, tree view, which is more the, the regular tree view you will find in the IFC viewers. So it shows uh, the organization, the spa spatial organization of your project. And you can switch from uh, architecture model to structural model. And you can display uh, building, floors, and, and elements. So if you want to multi-select easily things, you can, you can do it this way. And then you can... Yeah, make other translucent, and then you will display only what you want in a way, or even hide the others. 
and you can display them by uh, IFC types and etc uh, etc. Et so that's not something you use daily, but it's handy to select objects and elements in in your model. And of course, in the uh, inspect panel, there are several tabs that you can use. Uh, the main one will be inspect, which where, where you will find the uh, properties of the object. We also have uh, an attempt to help around uh, quantities. So you can select a bunch of objects and use this QTO tab that will generate a list, a brief list of uh, what you find and what you selected in the viewer. And this is just a preview because the intention here is to export this selection as a CSV or Excel file. So doing so, you offer the possibility to your users to export some of the data as a, as a spreadsheet in a way. So it can, it can be very handy on a daily basis. We also have some uh, integration, but I won't expand on that, but about uh, 4D integration with the IFC and also a measure tool that will allow you to take um, dimensions on, on objects. So if I, let's say I will isolate this one, I can use the measure tool you will find here. And we have two types. So we have the laser one. And why laser? It's because you can go to a point and it will add automatically a dimension in the X, Y, Z directions. And then you can add more. You see in one click, you can add a chain of, of uh, dimensions automatically. And you can see the results here. So you can, you can manipulate in a way these, these dimensions. Nice, that's a nice one. Yeah, it's always a complex topic to have uh, dimensions in a 3D viewer, but we try our best to, to be, uh, to be some use, uh, of some use for the, for the users. So let me now slowly move to the uh, other part of the tool of the, of the platform, which is the uh, collaboration and issues. So as I mentioned earlier, when you are on the 2D view, you see all these little dots uh, popping up. So if I click on one of those dots, the side panel will automatically uh, update. You see now the color has changed. And you see there's an issue here that uh, was requested by uh, Rupert. And because there's something to fix in the model. So sadly, in this one, there's no uh, preview because it's not with a viewpoint. So I will try to find one where there's a viewpoint attached to it. Maybe I need to switch, uh, let's say, coordination meetings. Let's see if I can find here. Yes, this one will be better. No, no luck here. Maybe this one. Yeah, here we go. So in this position, if I click here. Yeah, that's the wrong example. Anyway, let, let me uh, start from issues and I will go back to the 2D view afterwards. Sure. So issues. What do we mean by issues? It's uh, the place where you will share information, comments, feedback around either model objects in the model or documents. So the top level of the uh, issue organization, and that's, that's one of the strengths we have, is we are able to manage a large amount of issues. It's we have what's called issue boards. 
And an issue board is a place you will put your issues and every issue board is supposed to have a, a, a meaning and a, a useful uh, use in a way. And you can um, change the access to these uh, issue boards by changing the access rights. So you can remove people from uh, or disallow people from, from editing or even accessing. And this is where you will say, okay, the collision test will be only displayed in this issue board. And then you will have some uh, design reviews or coordination meetings, and we will use another uh, issue board. So you can sort things and handle a large amount of them. You can display them in a, in a dashboard view like this, or in a, in a table view, or with some details. It's, it's up to you. And of course, when you have a large amount of data like this, you need to find a way to sort them and filter them. So we have this included. So the basic filters will be around uh, statuses, types, and also due dates and stuff like that. But we, we know it's not enough. So we added some other features like tags. So if you click on the tag, let's say architecture here, it will automatically filter out the uh, issue board and display only the issue that are having this tag. So this way you can very quickly get back to where you want it to be and deal only with the issues you want to, to deal with. So if I select this one, for instance, it's an example, of course, you will see the issue with a status, it's a type, it's requested by someone, it's assigned to a team and it has a due date and a document is attached to it. And when you display this, you can have a preview and a zoom and you can replay the scene and jump back to where it was. So that's, that's the power of the BCF format. It's uh, the ability to go back in the same context as you were when uh, this issue uh, was, was uh, made in a way. What we added to this is that the ability to link uh, a document to an issue because you might need to have extra uh, comments, etc. So you can add a document to an issue. You can also link an issue to another one, and you can use tags and uh, yeah, some of the uh, tags that are available to to make it easier to find along the way. So you can see here, you have some shortcuts explaining that, okay, this issue has a due date, it has a task list. So you can, you see this little checkbox, so you can see how much uh, things are done or not done. And you can see it has a document attached to it. So when you have a bunch of issues like this with a lot of tags and a lot of comments, you can either search here with a search filter or you can uh, use some criteria and save them. So for instance, here, I have saved a filter that is one tag is related to the first floor and the other tag is related to architecture. So here you see in one click, I isolated the two issues remaining for this area. And of course, everything is based on the issue board. So if you have another issue board, the setting will be different, the filters can be different, the statuses, the types, everything can be personalized per issue board, which gives you really the power of dealing with lots and lots and lots of issues in your, in your project. 
Do you have by any chance a view in a calendar mode to see it as a calendar? Not yet, but it's uh, it's it's on the list of the to do things. Yes, we plan to have a connection, more connection with calendars and maybe Kanban views also, because we we are aware that uh, the way we display issues now, which is only this uh, table view or with uh, some preview and details, is not always enough. So the closest we have to a calendar is. Uh, having the the uh, dates in here but it's yeah, it's not a calendar view but you can filter by that but yes i agree with your comment it's uh it would be a nice addition yes a visual fe feature like for me uh, i really like seeing like uh, watching at my weekly calendar i say tomorrow i have this uh, amount of tasks the day after tomorrow this amount and uh, to plan better for the entire week so yeah, yes. uh, and this I'm, I'm talking about my project management tool that I use for personal scope, uh, but uh, it definitely something like like Outlook calendar, right? Uh, when you look you look there to see what what meetings do we have. So in the same way, it might be useful to see what issues I must fix this week. Yes, definitely. What we have close to that today, and I know it's not a calendar view, but we have a a tool called Milestones. So this tool will allow you to identify some issues relating to a milestone with a due date. So in this view, you can see how much is achieved before the end of the, of the due date in a way. So you can see like for this uh, EG, EJ issue, I have only one close and six still open. So I can see who is in charge of the open ones. I see it's only 14%. So I can jump right to it and see what's left to be done uh, to, to achieve the milestone and to be ready uh, for the time uh, that's necessary. So it's, it's one of the tools we use for managing issues with labels. And labels are also available not only for issues, so you can create your, your label here and you can see uh, the related issues, but you can also use these tags for documents which again makes the, the easy connection between model, document, and, and collaboration. If I show you back just quickly to the model, I know I didn't show that. I think it's uh, how is it displayed on an object. So if I go back, I think if I click on one of the objects here, like this guy, so you see this wall has several things attached to it, and it's 15 issues are related to this object or this object relates to 15 issues. And you also see that there's a bunch of uh, classification documents and libraries attached to it. So that's the way we, we display them in the, in the model. So issues are fully based on the BCF standard. So we can exchange issues with others. So we have some integration uh, direct or under, indirect. So for instance, you can be directly connected to Solibri. We have a plugin for Revit. We have a plugin for Navisworks. And you can eventually export uh, the issues as BCF files. And of course, you can also import BCF files from other systems. So we are definitely open and we are uh, fully uh, based on open standards. That's very good. The last part of uh, the platform that I need to show you is the documents. So at first, 
and it's like a year ago this this area was more unnecessary because we knew some clients needed that and it was just a storage place for documents but we put in a lot of efforts in this area and we will continue to do so and now we have several areas that will really help people to use BIMSync, even though they don't have models. Uh, the first being, as an example, I can show you that we have now a draft feature. And so it, it means that you can have a like a start of a workflow in your documents where you will be able to publish documents. We handle revisions and history and all that. And you can also submit something as a draft. So it's uh, a way to implement uh, a workflow to validate documents according to the uh, ISO uh, 1950 standards. So it's something that is available in the library settings. And even though it's uh, maybe not a, a workflow as such as you can compare to other systems, we are working on improving this. And you can use statuses and edit the, the status names for your use. And depending on the rights and access rights of, of people, people will have access to uh, documents to publish documents as draft. And if you don't have access to the write mode, you will not see the drafts. So you will only be uh, able to access the published documents, which is safe for uh, execution of the drawings, for instance. So if I show you an example, let me see. So I can use a filter and see uh, documents that has a draft. So let, let's click here. So I see easily what documents have draft. And if I click on this one, for instance, I will see the revision uh, button here. So I see that this, this document had three revisions and two drafts. One was rejected and one is still in a draft state. And if I'm part of this project, and I'm not allowed to see draft, I will not see these documents. So I won't make the mistake of using it. You know. But that's, that was added last year. And this year, we released a new uh, feature that we think is really powerful for the use of documents inside BIMSync. Oh, and by the way, we, we preview a lot of formats nowadays. It's not only a PDF, but we also support the Office uh, documents formats. DVGs, DXF, DGN, DWF, and, and some others. So you can push your uh, DWG files and we can display them in the, in the document area. And the latest features that I wanted to talk to you about, uh, let me find a, an example. Here we go. So now you have a view on your drawing. You can zoom in, you can do some uh, exploration, it's basic. But what you can do now is make annotations. So you see this ribbon here. Uh, so I can zoom in, I can navigate the document, but I can also annotate. So I can make a comment in an area and place it here and write down yeah, anything, please review. And this will be stored with this document and saved. But if you want to save it for collaboration, you will need to make, and it's the, the panel that says here, you will create an issue out of this document. So you can save what you, you said as an annotation and see the production and the evolution of, of the status of the document. So I will just put the name of the document. So it's clinic 
6.3, coordination meeting, no, it's in the document review. The status will be under review, it's a drawing, blah, blah, blah. Then I can make a comment and I say submit. So now the annotation I make are tied to an issue. So if I make another one, I can uh, use uh, some, some uh, you see, some, some uh, basic tools. I can use some shape like a cloud, revision cloud, like several tools are, are doing. And all of these uh, commands will be stored. So I will submit them as uh, tied to this issue. So now if I go back to the document view, you see that the file is related to an issue because we created an issue out of it. And if I click here, I go to the issue. And now I have the mirror view. I see the issue. I see the comments and the annotations. And I see there's a documents attached to it. And if I click here, I will jump back to where I made the annotation. So it's very powerful to communicate around documents, comment, comments on documents, and it works on uh, several pages. So if you have a 10-page document, you can do exactly the same. So we offer more value in, uh, in our product today to handle documents. So you can forget about BIM. If you don't have BIM, you can still use this platform to collaborate around your documents. If that makes sense to you. Yeah, but that would, would be uh, using a very limited uh, power of the product, right? Yes, but you know, we need, we need our, our philosophy is to accompany our, our customers from no BIM to fully integrated BIM, you know? So we learned in the past years that we learned that if we go too fast full BIM, we leave people behind uh, because they, they don't have the power to follow or they don't have the resources. And it takes time to make people uh, evolve and change, uh, especially in the construction industry. So I think many uh, developers and, and editors made this status that, yes, we need to accompany our customers. So now we are pushing more efforts in the uh, document area because we know that the first thing you have when you start a project, it's not a model. The first thing you have is a document. It's a Word document. It's an Excel spreadsheet. Is some draft, it's something that you need to put somewhere and store it, have the history, know where it is, know what it does, et cetera, et cetera. And then once you're ready, you can have models along the way. So that's the proposition we have now. So by adding these tools and uh, pushing this uh, review tool on documents that allows you to make comments. And, and uh, so if I show you from issues, I can go back to the, uh, so you can make a specific issue board for document review, and then you can set specific uh, statuses. So if I want to see only the one that are commented, I can filter out the issue here. I can jump this one and see, okay, there's an annotation on this document. I want to know what it is. One click and you're there. You're in the document. You will see the annotation. And if you click here, you will see what kind of annotation it is. You can zoom in. And you can comment back and say, okay, I agree, I disagree, etc." So, and there's no beam at all. So I think we are pushing the, the power of the platform and the tools we have, issue management uh, to the document world, which uh, is really helpful for, for people to embrace this uh, beam journey in a way. Yeah, yeah, to, to start, start with baby steps. 
towards yes. uh, beam adoption. And uh, yeah, it's good because otherwise, yeah, you end up with uh, scaring people. Like it's, it becomes too overwhelming and you lose customers and they don't make any progress. Yes, and they they feel uh, left behind and they say, okay, forget about BIM. I just want to go back to yeah, go back to the basics and and especially in these times that are specifically uh, difficult for for a lot of people, if not if not all of them. By the way, because we we talked about this, what is the status of BIM adoption in France? Um, I would say it's doing well. I think it's slower than. Uh, I don't know if it's lower. It goes very well among technical uh, offices around some uh, MEP, structural engineers and stuff like that. I think it goes well. It's more difficult to implement on the project as a standard in a way. So company per company, people do well in isolated BIM. So they're using Revit, they're using Tecla, they're using softwares like this. And they see the benefit of that, and they are ready to participate on some projects. It's more difficult on, uh, yeah, on, on projects where the client doesn't put it as mandatory. The, the main struggle, I feel, is that people don't believe or are not forced by contract to have model as a delivery. The, the mandatory delivery and deliverable is still a stupid PDF if you see what I mean. Yeah, so yeah. some projects, they enforce by contract the delivery of IFCs. And that's, the, that's very good because then you are forced by contract to issue an IFC model at some point. And sadly, but that's the truth, it's, it's the same with uh, probably speed limits. It's once you have a, what's your bind, but you are tied to a contract obligation, then you have to deliver. And that's that's a way forward. So nowadays, I would say like, I don't know, 25, 30% of projects have some nuances of BIM. Uh, but if you see per company and uh, technical offices and construction companies, it's more than that. That's not bad, actually, because I think, uh, in a way, uh, the same challenges are, uh, are overall. Even in Norway, where... Uh, uh, we think we uh, we have adopted BIM in a quite advanced way. There are still struggles. There are still companies that uh, struggle to get on the same level with uh, other ones. There are few left behind, of course. And uh, there are many factors, like you said, like culture, cultural change is, is very difficult to change this in the construction industry. But uh, we have no choice. Like uh, if we don't uh, use more uh, more efficient tools and such, like we is going to be no 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 reason to to be in the projects compared to competition we are going to lose money uh, so it's good that there are good signs what about iso 9650 and uh, hearing that there are uh, projects where uh, ifc is a requirement that's very very positive actually uh, but regarding iso 9650 as a whole clients that are requiring for uh, ifc files they must be they must have people definitely that know about ISO, iso 9650 are people aware about ISO 9650? Do they start to try to implement it at least at some level? Yes, I would say so, even though they, they don't follow the ISO standards by the book because nobody is really ready to do that. Uh, but they are, they are tentative to implement uh, quality control, for instance, on the models. That's the first step. Okay, 
you give me an IFC file, but now I need to check if it's compliant with the set of rules I, I had in place. And it's, it's coming, it's coming slowly, but again, the only success I had to witness with my own experience is that you need to have an obligation per contract. If you don't, it's nice to have, but it's not mandatory, so you push it away. And if you're late, which is often the case in the construction industry, you end up not doing it properly because it's not mandatory. And the only project I see success around this, even, even with the low uh, set of uh, requirements, IFC, this kind of format for IFC, and these basic properties. If you put this as mandatory in your contracts, you will get that. And that's the way forward, I think. Yeah, so uh, what are you saying is actually that the clients uh, or asset owners, asset managers, need to get people with uh, knowledge about ISO 9650 and start making better requirements or stricter requirements, yes, right? exactly. And I think the tools are there. There's a ton of uh, documentation. It's, uh, it's more the awareness that they need to see that why is it important to require open standards models and open standards files? Because in 30 years from now, they will still be able to use an IC file. And they need to be aware of that. So part of my job, part of your job, part of everyone involved in this uh, BIM world, I would say, uh, needs to communicate around this. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's what I'm stretching the most uh, in this podcast as well, uh, that the, the clients are most important here. And uh, like you have, you might have uh, designing offices that are very advanced, but uh, if they don't, the client doesn't require this, like you'll have the constructor, the builder, uh, not using the tools at the full extent, right? You need, in order uh, to, uh, for BIM to work, you need to have everyone involved cooperating and working at the same level. That's the, the first rule, right? So uh, we will uh, not just go, uh, like contractors won't just go by themselves and try to implement. Yeah, I will try to implement ISO 9650 because it's cool in my company. No, they won't do that. They will do what, what they are most comfortable to do. Uh, to know they need the risk management, right? And uh, if they did a project in a way, they know that if they follow the same role, they will get to those results and they are comfortable doing that. Then trying to risk and uh, to earn more maybe, but it's going to be a risk because you need to go in a uh, blank space where you have not been before, right? And you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it's not working. But on the long term, at the end of the day, like I said, I think uh, even if it's slowly, it will start to be more and more companies that are trying to implement and they will become easier, a little bit more efficient than the others. And the others will be will see that they uh, they will be left behind if they don't do they don't comply as well. Right. But uh, always uh, the, the rules like the movement, the speed of beam adoption or but not not let, let's forget about beam adoption of making more efficient our industry, damaging less uh, our planet. Right. It's like if. Uh, the, the one with the money uh, makes better rules and the one with the money is client. Yeah. And it's, it's all about the value chain. If, if everyone in the construction chain can grab a bit of the value provided by using BIM, then everyone will use it. And of course, today, some people, they see a value they give, but don't no value that they take. So they see only a cost. And we need to make that change so people along the chain will will really have 
a bit of the gains in a way. And as using as that's that's why I will advocate always the open standards because what they do, everyone using IFC files, what they do without realizing it, is that they issue a proper database of what they did. And it's not visible because you just see a viewer, you just see the geometry, but it's a database. And this database is the storage of your information for the future. Yeah, it's a long, uh, long shot fight. Like I said, like in the world we live, if you don't have profits, you will just go bankrupt, right? And you, yeah. if everybody is making more profit than you, you, you need to see, you need to look into that, right? It's going to happen at some point. What is happening in Norway? Like the big players, the big um, companies, uh, like Statsbig or Baninur or Statsenzagvesen, these uh, national companies, right? They they have implemented very ambitious BIM requirements or requirements on, on their projects, right? And uh, they are pulling the entire uh, industry to up their level because otherwise they 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 won't be able to deliver, right? And they won't be able to to uh, try to uh, win any projects and. Uh, make them in the first place, right? So uh, at this level, is in France, there must be some much bigger institutions that in, th than in Norway. Do they talk about BIM? Are, is there any interest? Do they did they hire any people with this competency trying to implement this? Or? Yes, they did, but the the way it's done today, it's still in the observation observation phase, I would say, and the way it's set in France today. It's recommendations. It's not nothing. It will be mandatory. Everyone knows and agrees that the industry needs to evolve. They are still a need to learn how to evolve in that direction. Uh, it's still very new as a technology, and yeah, as you know, the construction industry is slow to move. I would say. Uh, so nowadays, the institution, like public institutions in France, are very aware. There's been a lot of developments and uh, initiatives around this. Nothing is mandatory as it is in Norway. Uh, it's more based on recommendation. But then when you have large projects coming, like the new uh, metro lines and subway lines in Paris area for the Paris uh, Grand Express, uh, then you see that everyone requires BIM because they see the benefits along the way. So it's it's not a rule because it's not a law that you need to deliver, but it's more common sense. You can't avoid it in a way. And thus the, the officials are making the basic recommendation and publishing and helping others to embrace this, but they will not enforce it by law in a way. But the industry is smart. People are smart and they see that it's totally inevitable. Yeah, well, uh, in Norway, it's not uh, enforced by law by any means. It's just um, uh, clients, uh, public uh, clients that are requiring this, right? So okay. it's not it's not a law, uh, like like it is in uh, UK. But uh, in UK, even if it's a law, it's not nobody is uh, respecting it, or uh, not enough people to to make a difference. Not yet, at least. Hopefully, it'll uh, like it's happening anyway. Like like you said, right? Let's say that uh, we are not happy how uh, things are going in France, but then you see these huge projects which are adopting the best practices, right? But uh, I think this, uh, this kind of projects are going over the borders of a country because they, they require so much talent 
so much skill. I don't think they are uh, they, they are going to work only uh, French people uh, on that oh, project. No, no, definitely it's, not. It's such huge right that will will uh, gather together uh, many experts from across the globe, right? And they will uh, what what those experts will try to do on that project? Try to see what other smart people have done on other projects, right? And they yes. they won't go to uh, to uh, older techniques when you have most advanced techniques that are making you saving lots of money and come with a better price, right? And ha having a, a little uh, less impact on the planet as well. So yeah, uh, let's get back to uh, Katenda a little bit and BIMSYNC. How big is uh, Katenda in uh, in Norway, France, Europe and uh, in the world? Very big. <laughs> no, we are a small company still. We are 30 people. And but we operate internationally, so we have clients all around the world, small ones, large ones. Uh, I think now we are competing between Nordic countries and France are the the top main areas for the customers we have. We have some great customers, large organization for infrastructure, for housing projects, offices, and I, now nowadays Norway and France are very uh, competing against each other in terms of uh, amount of clients and amount of users but we are going very strong as well in uh, the Netherlands in Germany Austria in the the Dach region we had a lot of great customers also in um, Switzerland so basically when you have uh, customers interested in pushing the boundaries of projects and BIM, we have a conversation with them, basically. And the next big step for us will be, of course, uh, the United States. We learned recently about the plan for infrastructure and improving a lot of things that have been uh, neglected in the past decades in, in the US. We are very excited about this and we, are, we want to be part of this story as well. So the next big move will be embracing the american market interesting good luck with that yeah it's it's huge that one it's huge and has a lot of potential like you said you mentioned infrastructure so you have customers or clients using the product also for infrastructure projects right it's not specifically yes. designed for uh, for uh, buildings no 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 definitely not we have the main customer we have in france it's called aegis it's uh uh, engineering company dealing mostly with the uh, infrastructure project. They are working on uh, line 16 in Paris area, which is one of the largest new subway line around Paris. And the project is in BIMSYNC. And in, in uh, uh, Norway, we have tunnel projects inside BIMSYNC. And in Switzerland, we have one of the actual largest uh, project also in BIMSYNC. So we are very uh, compliant with uh, infrastructure models coming from various softwares and it's our customers are telling us we we like the way you display the geometry we like the way the performances are in the browser so yes we are very much i, I think in terms of project we may have as much infrastructure project as a building project okay interesting that's good to know you said that uh, Germany, Netherlands, this uh, area right here, uh, it's, uh, it has a lot of interest. What, what is happening with the uh, Southern Europe? Italy, Spain, uh, Portugal? It's uh, lower interest, I would say. But when we find someone interested there, it's a very solid and strong interest. But the adoption is uh, way less, I would say. 
there's always issues about project costs. So we, we hear a lot about uh, saving as much as possible in terms of cost on the project. But it's, it's a bit changing. Recently, uh, we see new types of company joining, uh, reaching out to us, some new startups trying to disrupt a bit the traditional way of making buildings there and needs to have access to our boost offering, for instance, and using our APIs. And uh, we also know that in Portugal, there are like a awakening in, in the construction industry as well on projects. So it's, I think it will, we will see the change coming from the Southern Europe in the, maybe the coming year. Interesting. From these three, which one, uh, in which order do you, uh, would you put this country from, uh, from this point of view, uh, BIM adoption? Spain, Italy, Portugal. You think Portugal is more uh, open? To, to, no, I think Spain is first in, in terms of uh, awareness, if not adoption, but at least awareness. Uh, Italy and Portugal, I don't know how to uh, split the two. I think uh, it's same, same probably, but uh, Spain is first, definitely. Okay. And it's, uh, you have large players in Spain around engineering and construction that are leading the way. And when these guys start to talk BIM and so forth, then all the industry in this country uh listened to yes yeah, yeah and uh, many of those big companies from spain are exposed are exposed in norway uh, on projects right here like uh, like very big projects in the same in france and grand paris express has a lot of italian and spanish companies working there so they need to they need to educate themselves i've been involved in a project in the Rennes area in france where a power plant was uh john vacher with a spanish company and they they needed to level up and and learn yeah but uh, from offices point of view do you have offices uh, katenda has offices only in norway and in france nowadays we have an office now opening in um, in germany i don't recall exactly the address but we can find this on the on the website if it's not open yet it will be open very soon uh, but we have an office in Germany, we have an office in France, and we have the headquarter in uh, Norway, and we have resellers. We have a, a network of resellers around the world, in Brazil, in uh, Spain, in uh, Poland, Czechoslovakia, I think also. And we will have an office in, uh, in the United States at some point. I'm not sure because of the COVID situation, I'm not exactly sure when, but that the next office to open will be in the States, definitely. Yeah, I see. Cool. What was the biggest, not the biggest, the most exciting or uh, the coolest project you have seen uh, that used uh, uh, BIMSync so far? I think the tunnels, the tunnel ones I saw, and I, I can't display and I can't use them uh, for advertisement because it's, uh, it's not possible. Uh, but the, the tunnels project I saw, uh, infrastructure project I saw from Aegis in Grand Paris, uh, and also the tunnel project in Switzerland are very impressive. And uh, when you see the amount of people that are joining the project and how many, uh, the actual use of the tools you made and you're selling, and you see the benefit and you have uh, exchanges with people that tells you, of course, you can improve this and you can improve that. But as a whole, we love you and we love what you do because it's easy. And that's the main feedback we get is always, it's easy to use. Yes, we love you because it's easy to use. That's wow. the first thing that comes up. So, so then uh, the on onboarding process uh, for your products are uh, are e is easy. 
Yes, definitely. You can know how to use Beam Sync in less than two hours. So that's that's the best, uh, the most exciting result, I would say. It's not about the largest, the longest, the highest building. It's more when you see 250 people collaborating on one project. That's that that's goal for us. Yeah, yeah, it, that that's very powerful, and uh, that that shows why we should head into that direction and not just sit everyone in our small boxes and don't cooperate with the others, right? Like we are doing mostly right now, maybe. Yes, that's <laughs> that's another story. Yes, I agree. Yeah. How? Uh, what should be the steps if somebody is interested in your product? Reach out to us from the website. You will find on cateda.com every information you need to reach out to us. Uh, maybe start a free trial. And uh, depending on where you contact us, either directly via email or through the website, you will get in touch with uh, someone from the sales department that will uh, reach out to you and uh, engage in a discussion, definitely. And also, once you log in on uh, BIMSync, and you have a trial, you can join us via this little red button, bottom right. Uh, it's using a, a tool and you can chat with us and poke us there. This is also the place you find the help center and you can answer uh, some of your questions. Awesome. What about the trial? Uh, how long it is? Uh, it's two weeks now, but usually the, the goal is for these two weeks, uh, we reach out to you. Because we know that you need to have access to some sample data or you can uh, you need to have a conversation with us. So for now, we have the basic rule is to have two weeks, but most likely uh, we will have a conversation with you. Maybe you will have a month extended to try and we, we, we will see that what's the case and, and see how it goes. But the two weeks is basically a time for us to be in touch. I understand. Is there uh, anything else you would like to mention now at the end? Uh, something that I forgot to ask, to ask maybe? Yeah, I think you should reach out to us to have a conversation. Even though in the end, you will not pick BIMSync as your tool. It's always, uh, we, we love to learn from the customers. And even if at the end you pick another solution, we have a lot of competitors, great ones. It's always interesting to engage in a conversation and learn from your requirements. And maybe with these needs that we can't fulfill today, we will be able sooner. So please reach out to us, ask questions, challenge us, tell us what you like, what you don't like. We want to learn from you. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for joining me. It was very nice to uh, talk to you and to learn about uh, Catenda's product and about uh, what is happening regarding BIM in France. Yes, thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure. and. Uh, we can do that uh, another time. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you.